0: So let me introduce everybody we have here on stage. Uh, First of all, to my immediate left, we have Ted Schweinfurth. He's gonna serve as our moderator this morning. Ted is a lawyer professionally, but he's had a long interest in social justice issues and has experience working with missions organizations and local organizations that seek to support and serve the underserved and disadvantaged people and groups. He and his wife Stephanie helped found Readers to Leaders and you can find more information about Readers to Leaders, again, in your packet. Um, next, we have uh, Stephanie Bateman, who's the director of continuing care for Teach the Story. Her and her husband, um, Ramey, uh, serve with Teach the Story. She has a THM from Dallas Seminary. And Stephanie and Rami are members here at Grace. Next, we have Miriam Fretheim, who grew up here at Grace, learned the importance of the gospel through Sunday school and the youth leaders here at Grace. She met her husband Peter as a student at Dallas Seminary, and they've served in Nigeria with SIM for 23 years. Next we have Betsy. Betsy's been here at Grace for 30 years, and she started attending Grace when their youngest daughter was in Annie Dillard's pre-K class at Grace Academy. Uh, Betsy's involved in many things. As you know, she's uh, newly appointed interim staff, Uh, But she has served with our kids ministry, with women's ministry, and she's here representing Kids Beach Club at Calle Elementary this morning. Next we have Brian Roy, uh, also a member here at Grace. Uh, He's the director of operations for Mercy Street, an organization in South and West Dallas, reaching kids through uh, mentorship, through leadership, through sports, and you'll hear a lot more about them as well. And then finally, like I said jokingly in the first service, over there in the timeout chair, uh, we have a missionary whose name and picture is not going to be broadcast on the internet for security reasons, um, but served here on staff at Grace and has a lot of incredible things, a lot of great stories to share. So with that, Ted, I'll turn it over to you. All right. Well, good morning. It is great to see all of you.
1: Uh, So... You know, obviously, all of us are missionaries in our own spheres of influence, but some people are called to kind of the front lines of ministry, both, uh, both locally in our community and, and around the world. And um, this annual missions conference is focused on uh, those, those people that we support uh, at Grace, kind of in the front lines of uh, ministry work, both, uh, both here and, um, and around the world. As Jay said in his letter, which I I do encourage all of you to read, the packet that supporting missionaries is part of the DNA of this church, and it is core to kind of who we are as a church. And having having done this before, this panel before, you all are in for a treat. This is really um, these missionaries are are fantastic, and um, and I think you're going to really enjoy this. So. Let's, uh, you know the drill, let's start and just go down and and tell us a little bit about about what you do.
2: Well, as Jay said, my name is Stephanie Bateman. My husband, Ramey, and I are members here at Grace, so a lot of you might know us, or at least recognize our faces. Um, We run Teach the Story, which is a mission organization that we founded in 2017. And we focus on providing access to theological training to impoverished church leaders and teachers in the church around the world. So my husband, Peter, and I,
3: as said, we've been in Nigeria. It's been a privilege, actually, to be in Nigeria for 23 years. And how we got there was another Grace family, um, Bill Ardill, who did his residency forever ago in Dallas. He and his wife are in Nigeria, and his wife started a ministry with just a few little street boys. That ministry has now absolutely exploded. And that is where we work, city ministries. We have uh, orphan care centers um, around Nigeria. We have women's centers. We work with traumatized people. But we also work with um, just getting the gospel into unreached areas in northern Nigeria.
4: Miriam said in the first service that her husband has about 100 ideas in his head at one time. Well, I think there was a person like that in Euless, Texas. His name's James Terrell and his wife, Tammy. He was a kids ministry in Euless and he one Sunday thought, I wonder if we should think about taking this out during the week. And so he went, they went to one school in Euless and started Kids Beach Club. Today, Kids Beach Club has 800 schools all across the nation and it's run by eight people in Euless, Texas. They give us all of our curriculum, they give us all of our backup, they even allow us to wear these orange shirts. And um, so, so I just wanted people to know it is a national ministry and Grace supports it by, by paying our membership each year and then of course supports it through our volunteers.
5: Um, again, my name is Brian Roy, um, and I work for Mercy Street, it's a intercity and at-risk youth ministry here in Dallas, uh, in the specific neighborhoods of West Dallas, South Dallas Fair Park. Um, it's an organization with a long history here at Grace, Betsy Edmondson's gotten to serve there and done so faithfully. Marianne Appleby, Ben Appleby, several people in this room. Um, So I wanted to say thank you guys for letting me um, kind of share about Mercy Street for the the work that you guys have done down there uh, uh, over the years. But um, Mercy Street exists to cultivate mutually transforming relationships with inner city youth. Um, And we do that through three primary programs. We have sports, mentoring, and leadership development programs for our inner city youth in West and South Dallas. Um, Sports, we have a 16-acre state-of-the-art sports complex that we get to run Christ-centered sports leagues, soccer, uh, flag football, baseball, a little bit of basketball um, to, to share the gospel with kids on an even playing field. Um, in sports. We have a mentoring program, Think Big Brothers, Big Sisters, with a Christ-centered curriculum, one-on-one relationships, long-term, walking through life with kids. Uh, And then we have a leadership development program for high school students, where um, students get to come on site in the summer, uh, have a paid internship with us, and learn biblical and theological training, uh, workforce readiness skills, uh, as well as we have several micro-businesses on site at our headquarters building, where kids can get real-world practical business skills and have the skills necessary uh, to come back and change their communities for the better with the gospel. Kind of feel
6: weird to be back here in the, the corner here. Not that I've ever been put out of the classroom or anything like that in the hall. Um, but we just thought, you know, since we are working in a sensitive area... or not um, so I, I was on staff at grace 20 years ago uh, we were sent to the nation of, of and 11 years ago we transferred to this new nation and um, have been there ever since and so our headquarters is in Colorado we've been having about 20 families who have been working out of this nation uh, they all were evacuated six months ago and uh, some are just now going back into the country. So that's kind of our history with uh, Greece.
1: So I'm gonna sort of switch this question up a little bit. Um, I mean, it's clear you all were drawn to a a need, both a, a physical need and a spiritual need. Talk about that kind of the core need that you were drawn to to address, and then over time how you've seen that need change and how you see it potentially changing in the future?
2: So, Rami went overseas about 12 years ago with a different mission organ. He spent a year abroad, and he visited a variety of different places, namely impoverished places, parts of Africa, Southeast Asia, Eastern Europe. Um, and while he was there, this was before he went to seminary, he felt a need for theological training for church leaders in these areas, especially the small villages where um, churches maybe have 20 people, and they're really joyful, and they love Jesus, but they really, they open the Bible, and they stick their finger at a verse, and they just go. Um, And a a big problem overseas is, um, and here also, this is Texas, right, the prosperity gospel, And uh, cults are a really big problem, and they do infiltrate the churches, um, primarily in places that we work in Africa. Um, And it's, uh, yeah, it's been really interesting over the years to see the influence of these different teachings. And um, we've tried to address them, and we try to teach the people really to dismantle these ideas and to hold strong to the centrality of Christ and grace and forgiveness for sins and not all this extra stuff. Um, So that's a need that we've tried to address. Um, Myself, I'm going to talk about me because Ramey is not here, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a little bit. Um, you get to hear about me because I'm here and he's not. And I don't travel as much as Ramy does. He travels overseas for uh, short-term missions. He'll teach a one-week course in uh, a book of the Bible. Um, he's gone usually two or three months out of the year total. Um, and because I don't travel as much, I, uh, I teach over the phone Uh, women who are in Africa. I teach one woman who lives in Uganda and another woman who lives in Mozambique, and they are both in full-time ministry themselves, and they themselves didn't have access to any theological education. So... I, uh, in, during the COVID lockdown, I thought, well, I can't get to these women anymore. What do I do? And I realized that we still both have cell phones and that we can talk to each other. So I started teaching them uh, twice a week each. So I spend about eight hours a week on the phone um, with these women, teaching them, walking them through different books of the Bible, helping them work through different moral and ethical issues that come up in their day-to-day life and how to help people. Um, and this need has really stayed the same, and i don 't know that this need is going to go away anytime soon, not to say that it hasn 't you know changed at all, but I feel like the need is unending. Um, so we continue to work toward this need of providing uh, sound theological education for church leaders around the world so as I said, it started with just a few street
3: kids and grew into orphan care centers and It's a ministry called City Ministries in Nigeria. We work with a very large evangelical mission um, organization there, indigenous uh, Nigeria mission organization. So the changes have come that now we're fully under that mission organization, which is great. Huge majority of our staff are wonderful, uh, godly Nigerians and we love working with them. And even though it's, I I joke that it's city ministries that my husband keeps expanding way beyond the city. Um, So we do have a a ministry center in the city of Joss, which we live in, that is clinics, and and we provide food for people. Um, Then we also have the orphan care centers around. We have a new women's center that we opened up recently for traumatized women. But we also have a huge outreach branch um, across the northern part of Nigeria, because the northern part of Nigeria is very, very unreached. And there's also three different specific people group that happen to be most of the members of the terrorist organizations that my husband is working with a group of people to specifically target for the gospel. So we're still meeting human need and preaching the gospel. It just continues to expand um, as the needs of Nigeria unfortunately do not get better, they only get worse. So there's more and more needs. I think our need remains the same and always will remain
4: the same. Everyone needs to hear the gospel. The difference is that we've discovered that three miles from here in Dallas, Texas, people have never heard the gospel. And so we also know that if someone's going to hear and accept Jesus Christ as their savior, that's best done before the age of 12. So we fill a huge gap over here, I believe, by getting into these elementary schools. Our curriculum's written for grades three through six, and so it is our privilege and honor, really, to offer the gospel to these children who, surprisingly slow so close to our campus, have never heard about Jesus, God, or the Bible. So we feel like we feel a very, very big need. It's not gonna change as long as we have elementary schools we're going to be there.
5: Yeah, for Mercy Street, we're purposefully in a in an at-risk inner-city communities, right? Um, where there, there's needs all over the place. You know, higher rates of crime, higher rates of poverty, lower rates of educational attainment. Whatever metric, right? There's a need there. Um, but I think the the core need that we're trying to meet at Mercy Street is a, a need for relationship. Um, many of us in this room for following Christ are the, the product of, of strong disciple makers in our life, right? A strong parent, a strong youth leader, someone that was walking alongside us um, to, to, to build us up in the faith, right? Um, a lot of the kids in these inner city neighborhoods in West Dallas and South Dallas don't have that. They don't have um, uh, either a father figure in the home. They're being raised by a single mother and they need someone to come in and and provide that strong male presence um, and and walk alongside them. Or uh, maybe they do live in a a home with two parents, but those parents are spending all their time trying to make ends meet um, and don't have the attention necessary to, to invest and pour into their lives or just need someone to come alongside them as the parent. Um, to raise those kids uh, in a way where they can can overcome their situation. So we're seeking to solve that relational need for kids in our community. Um, and all of our programs are designed uh, to bring caring Christian adults into their lives, one-on-one, face-to-face, with kids who have a relationship problem. They need people uh, in their life on a daily basis walking alongside them. and. Um, in the last two years, that need I think has only grown and it has only gotten worse, right? As our um, society has grown further apart, much more interaction between, uh, uh, through a screen rather than face-to-face and then um, keeping everyone at arm's length um, due to COVID to keep everyone safe. Um, children are increasingly isolated. There's um, more and more need for someone to just come and be present in the life of a kid. Um, so that relational need is what we're solving. I think that need is bigger than it's ever been.
6: 12 years ago when I was invited to come to this nation, you know, my first reaction is, who would ever want to go there? You know, It's just a mess there. Um, of course, my wife said, yeah, go for it. And so uh, visited, but uh, just really saw the incredible opportunity. I mean, there's, in this nation, 48,000 registered mosques and not one legal registered church. The need was great. And the, at the university I was teaching at, these students were hungry for something change leadership they did not even know what it was i was the first maybe american uh, definitely the first christian they've ever met and um, so we just saw this amazing opportunity to bring the hope of the gospel into places that have never heard the gospel or have very little access to this place and this has been our heart our drive Um, I think Paul from Romans 15, he wanted to plant churches in places that uh, were were no churches. Of course, we don't go there as Christian workers. Uh, We are registered and legal people going into this nation as a non-government organization, bringing medical training, leadership development, and addressing some of the hardest areas of birth education, literacy, uh, addiction recovery, um, to meet felt needs uh, in the name of Christ. So we're not duplicit trying to do one and not the other. We're actually trying to do the very best in all areas. And we are recognized and encouraged to come back. In fact, we, are, uh, we do have uh, a letter from the present, present government saying, yes, please come and continue to do relief work in our nation. And we are. We just sent our first worker back this week to be our Canary in the coal mine, so to speak, and, and see how things go, and then we 'll send in others behind him
1: that's great, so you know we've talked about you know these are these are challenging times I mean you've just just listened to you, you talked about cults and security and, and poverty and communication issues and inflation and give us a flavor for kind of the challenges that you're facing and um, and specifically how those challenges, how you've, you know, based on what you've learned, how you're addressing those challenges, and then what opportunities those are creating for what you're doing.
2: So, um, the reason Rami's not here right now is because he's been overseas for six weeks, um, teaching in um, Nigeria, Uganda, and Moldova. And Moldova's in Eastern Europe, and if you don't know where it is, it's smashed right in between Ukraine and Romania. It's a very small country, only about two million people live there. Um, And just this week, Rami was 40 miles from the Ukrainian border, and woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of missiles. Um, So he was not inside the Ukrainian border and so therefore he was all right, but um, there is a general sense of fear. Um, And yesterday he got on a bus and rode into Romania, uh, which is in the EU, so it's a little bit safer in everybody's minds. Um, But he had to leave by car because all of the airports in Moldova have been shut down. Um, and he did have to flee in that manner. Um, He was in a line uh, that was about 10 hours long with individuals trying to leave even Moldova. So he, um, yeah, sometimes we face security challenges like that, and um, there's not really a, a great solution for them. I mean, we go and we try to find the right times and try not to go at really bad times, but sometimes, you know, you're sleeping and missiles are, you know, being shot off in the middle of the night. So um, that's something we run into. Um, Another challenge that we're facing is um, a good one. Um, We have found that in focusing on teaching in a way that dismantles cults and the prosperity gospel, um, we are in great demand. Um, and we're trying our best to evaluate where and by what means to continue to move forward with our ministry because um, we have a lot of opportunities. A lot of people want us to come and teach. A lot of people want us to provide resources, but we're trying to evaluate whether we should continue to do that um, in the way of teaching under the trees in, uh, you know, 80-degree weather in Uganda, which is really fun. Uh, Teaching outside is really great. Um, Or in seminaries, which is focused more specifically on people who are being trained for the ministry rather than people who are already in ministry. Um, Another challenge, which I'm sure Miriam will talk about, is inflation. Uh, Ministry is getting really expensive, and uh, some of our contacts are having trouble of being able to afford food to eat. Um, Things like rice and beans and vegetables are priced astronomically at this point. So us trying to raise more funds to be able to support those people because the inflation is causing them to face things like starvation and um, not being able to care for themselves. So um, we're working on finding where we want to go with our resources and trying to help the people that we work with overseas and security. Those are things.
3: Yes, unfortunately, Nigeria, the security keeps getting worse and worse. The terrorism groups are kind of breaking into factions and that only makes it worse. Um, the Naira the dollar continues to plummet, so food is a huge issue. Uh, the people who work in our ministry actually get paid each month and they have literally a line of neighbors at their door every time, uh, people that don't get paid that are desperate for food. So that's a, that's a big issue. Um, we were able to, many of you in this room helped, uh, buy a huge amount of grains at the lowest price of the year this, this year. And those will go out to people who are desperate. And that's part of how our ministry grows. As there's big needs, we just look and evaluate and figure out how we can help those needs. Another need in the last five years that's come up is substance abuse in Nigeria, and you'd think if there's no money, why is there substance abuse, but there is. A lot of it's a homemade brew, but um, unfortunately, there's no jobs for a lot of the um, young people and so they end up in this cycle of substance abuse in these areas in the major cities called drug jungles. Called jungles, but they're drug jungles. And so we, our ministry, has increased a whole a whole section of it just targeting those those I call them kids, but they, those young adults, um, trying to help them leave that lifestyle trying to help them get clean. We've had um, some of the kind of Kingpin members come to know Christ, and so now they're the evangelists in that area. So that's been really exciting. That's a way of meeting a need. Uh, And then we continue, as I mentioned, to help northern Nigeria with things like water wells, digging a well, bringing in a medical clinic, and then presenting the gospel. So it's share the gospel, heal the need, so that people are are willing to listen to what we have to say. I say we. It's our phenomenal Nigerian staff. Peter and I just are the cheerleaders, literally. We just like go, you know, we cheer them on and try to give resources, but it's our um, incredible Nigerian staff. Uh, co-workers who do all of the work and are so incredible so
4: to follow up on staff like Miriam was saying um, we have 13 people presently that are working with Kids Beach Club which actually is great because we're only serving 31 kids Um, probably the best group of volunteers I've ever worked with in my life they're prepared they're excited they volunteer Um, Everyone has a special job. You never have to worry about someone dropping the ball. So it's a great group to work with. But of those 13, none of us are bilingual. And boy, do we suffer there. Um, Our kids are all English speakers. So once we get them to, to join Beach Club, that's great. And we don't have a problem on Monday afternoons when we're with them. But when we try to reach out and explain it to parents, I'm glad they didn't have any cameras watching us when we did that one summer because we would practically do this song and dance talking about beach club, but it's really a Bible club, and these moms are just looking at you like, I don't know who these weird people are, but (laughs) probably we didn't sign up anyone. So that is really our biggest challenge. We need people that speak Spanish, even if you would come on part-time and come a couple times and help us recruit, because we would like to reach out more to our families.
5: Similarly, I I think our biggest challenge is, I heard you say, we need people, right? Um, Mercy Street, uh, one-on-one, life-on-life, involved in the life of a a student in the inner city, right? In their home, um, on the the sports field, all of that is direct in contact, uh, in person. And uh, for the last two years, being in contact, face-to-face with somebody in a COVID environment has not been something that's uh, been easy. Right, so um, as COVID locked everything down, it became more difficult to engage in a one-on-one relationship in person with someone. We um, pivot our programs to online, and, and that, that's not the way that we minister to people. So. Um, we we need more people. We need people to come down and get involved uh, in the life of a student um, and solve that, that core problem, whether that's coaching or mentoring, um, turning off uh, the faucet of people being able to come down and physically get involved in the life of a student was a huge problem for us. Um, and um, we, as COVID begins to loosen up and as people are out and doing more, people are more welcome to, to come and, and come down and people feel more comfortable with that. So when we've, we've hired additional staff to to treat the wave of incoming volunteers to where we could say, Hey, if you're interested and you can get plugged in and, and and get involved with our ministries, you know, we can sign up and we can get, get in touch with you tomorrow. Um, we're really seeking to throw additional resources at getting people plugged into our ministry, uh, to solve that core problem. I guess there's a lot of challenges, you know, when the
6: entire government collapses uh, and arises a new government that's the world considers a, a terrorist organization. Now they are the government with their own terrorists they're trying to uh, fight against. Uh, you know, so much has changed. Um, the, the government employees, they haven't been paid. So that means schools, the banks are mostly closed. How do you transfer money? Who gets paid? So the unemployment is extremely high. Uh, people are just hungry. They just can't feed themselves. So the needs are great as far as just humanitarian relief. Food's there, it's just who, who can buy it? Um, when you have uh, many of the foreign forces, foreign uh, companies leave the nation, and only about half will actually return. Um, uh, that, so the, the challenges of, of food is, is great. Uh, The challenges for women is even greater. Uh, Women are just a commodity. You know, produce our sons and feed me is basically the purpose of women in this nation. Uh, But not according to God. You know, we use a a Genesis 1 where man and women were created in the image of God, and that gives them hope because there is very little hope in this nation uh, at this point. So the challenges are great. Uh, God is greater. Actually, there's great opportunities that have popped up Around this nation. Uh, we've seen the, the believers who are there who have not been evacuated standing up and say, we are going to educate girls. We are going to provide relief. We, are, we can't go anywhere, so let's go for it. Um, so they are facing the challenges um, to meet the needs, to be the hands and feet of Christ. And actually that's probably a, not a bad thing when you get a lot of the Western workers there with our own Um, cultural norms in there, If we move that and then they can actually form a a local network of believers that's not tainted by Western influence. I mean, some of the negative things, we still have hopefully influence, some encouragement, some teaching there, but uh, those who are left are doing a good job and trying to lead the nation as best they can.
1: So you all are, as I said at the beginning, sort of the front lines in some tough places, uh, and even in our own city, that many of us would be pretty discouraged. But, but what I hear is a lot of hope and, uh, and, and faith and trust. Talk about what some of the bright spots, what keeps you going, what encourages you, and what, you know, if you're telling us... Um, Tell us about you know, what you see out there that gives you the encouragement that you' the people that you serve and that um, keeps you going.: uh,
2: For me, I, because I work specifically with the women and specifically in African contexts, I love the amount of joy that they exude over finding faith in Christ and finding forgiveness and hope um, really in their eternal life. Um, there 's not They know that there 's not a lot that they 'll attain in this life, but they 're okay with that because they know what 's to come and um sometimes that makes me feel like oh, maybe I'm, I'm not as joyful of a person. I live in the States. I have a house and a car and food on my table, and I feel like they have more joy than I do a lot of times. Um, so when I feel discouraged, honestly, when I get on the phone with them every week, it, it just brings me so much joy to feel their joy and their excitement about um, getting to share the love of Christ with others and his forgiveness. Um, I was talking to Narai the other week who lives in northern Mozambique, and she was telling me that she led 12 people to Christ um, at a church service, and she told them, this isn't a free ride, there's no handouts, you're not gonna get a bunch of free stuff, God isn't gonna do whatever you tell him to do, it's gonna be really hard, but you get forgiveness for sins and hope of eternal life with Christ after this life. And that brought me so much joy hearing her story and knowing that Um, My effort to help her understand Christ better is helping her reach others with the love of Christ. So it's situations like those that keep me going on a weekly basis.
3: For us, it's just the stories of Jesus changing lives tremendously. I just did a program with a young lady who grew up in our ministry. She grew up in our orphan care centers and she was terribly abused as a little girl and now she's this smart you know, a successful 30-year-old woman who is about to get married, and that's exciting. You know, the Lord really can change lives. Um, And then we also uh, just continue to see God do miracles in the northern part of Nigeria. You know, men who were terrorists that were literally killing Christians come to know the Lord in supernatural ways, a lot of times through dreams, and then they are unstoppable at telling the truth of Jesus Christ to others. And Peter will try to encourage them, why don't you come over here where it's a little bit safer, we can disciple you, and they're like, no, my people need to know the truth about Christ. I don't care if I die. And those are the stories of hope and courage that encourage us and keep us going.
4: I think the um, joy and hope that we have is, Monday afternoon, I'm looking out here at a lot of people that serve on this team with me. We get there and we stand around in the hall and everybody knows, can see us in our orange shirts. And so we pray in the hall before we start, which gives us all a lot of confidence and excitement. And then those kids come, they are so excited to be there. And I believe really, we've only been back three weeks. I think every person that came the first week is still with us and perhaps has brought a friend. So it just gives us hope that these kids are faithful to coming every Monday, but they're also being so touched by it that they're going to be willing to bring some other friends. So I think that's probably what gives us the biggest hope.
5: Yeah, I mean, um, my heart was seized by the vision of Mercy Street of... Um, participating in the long process of discipleship and change in the life of a kid, right? Of uh, someone who's going to give me an opportunity to just get in there and be involved in the life of a young man, um, whether that was through a, be coaching or mentoring. And um, long before I started working at Mercy Street, uh, I coached in our baseball league, Christ-centered uh, youth baseball league, starting with a group of kids that were nine years old. Um, and right when I first moved to Dallas started coming to grace back in 2015 got involved with a nine year old baseball team and coached them for multiple seasons um, and you know walked up with them through different age groups they 're now fourteen um, and one of the young men that was on that team with me for for five years um, is now becoming my mentee through the mentoring program and uh, it can be hard to to walk. Um, life on life with these families for five years to see the same problems cycle over and over and over again. And and, um, the the one kid that I've latched onto, um, I I found out has recently been kicked out of two different high schools, um, is dealing with severe uh, mental health um, and anger issues. And uh, I've gotten to go in his living room with his mother and say, hey, how can I help? Um, she's kind of thrown up her hands. I don't know how to help my son. He's essentially dropped out of school at 14. Um, and, uh, yeah, I said, you know what, let me pick him up and I'm going to take him to baseball. Uh, he's aged out of our program, but I can get him involved out there doing something. Um, and one of the things that keep me going is I had a conversation with him on the way to the baseball field the other day. And I said, Edgar, I've coached you since you're nine years old. You're 14. I've never seen you so much as talk back to me i uh, never seen you give me any sort of problem. They're saying that, that you're um, violent towards teachers and you just can't make it happen at school. Like, what's, what's the problem? Where did this come from? Um, and he said, you know, coach, when, when, when you talk to me, it's different. I don't know what it is, right? But when my teacher talks to me, the way that you talk to me is just different um, and, and I'm willing to listen to you. And so that was encouraging to me to say, you know what? The time that I spent with him was not a waste, right? The slow process of change, the slow process of continuing to show up um, and put skin on the gospel uh, will work, right? To where the point is, I'll, I'll listen to you coach um, and um, getting the chance to, to help address that problem, so.
6: Let me share a couple of just bright spots. Uh, thanks for asking that question. Um, I think one side, one point inside this nation is that the the underground church is rising up and uh, being the hands and feet of Christ. Um, up to this point, the, the government says no girls are allowed to be educated past sixth grade, and the, uh, the believers are standing up and saying, well, we, we will educate them. And these small schools, which you're helping to support are rising up and they're very attractive to these girls who wanna be educated and they don't have to go through the government rules of certain prayers and Quranic uh, recitations and things. It's uh, led by believers and uh, taught with love. But uh, outside, the, outside the walls of this nation, there are many refugees uh, around the world and some of our staff who have left this country are now working with them in other places, in fact, Uh, Grace has started six years ago um, a high school for refugees from this nation in India. And uh, that's been going ever since that time. And so we have a school for refugees that uh, need education as refugees. And they're coming here too. So one of the great opportunities is uh, a program that we're starting called Bridges USA training churches to engage in uh, refugee work. There are pockets right here in North Dallas that are coming here from this nation. 86,000 or something have already landed in the United States, and there's another couple hundred thousand waiting to come. Are you ready? Um, And they need the hope of the gospel, and they need friends, actually. So um, we're developing training materials as we speak uh, to engage and help support the Western Church to engage in these peoples who are coming here. Great opportunities.
1: Great. So we just have a couple of more minutes left. Tell us how the church, how Grace uh, and our members can support you all.
2: Well, because what we do is very um, specific and we. Uh travel to some pretty interesting places. Um, We don't offer opportunities for teams to join us. um, But we do love to share the stories uh, from the field and we love to share them with our supporters and we love to share them with Grace. I know we send out our newsletter and um, y'all get it on the big Grace uh, newsletter email. Um, But we would like to share them with you more specifically. So um, we're looking for people to introduce us to their Bible study groups, small groups, Sunday schools, so that we can um, share our work with y'all there. And uh, prayers. I would appreciate your prayers. Rami's trying to get out of Eastern Europe and is supposed to get home on Tuesday, so I'd appreciate you pray him home. Uh, he's stuck in Romania trying to get his COVID tests and whatnot figured out, so I would appreciate your prayers for him. But yeah, introduce us to your Sunday schools or small groups or whoever. Anyway, I'll be out in the commons. Grace Bible Church has been
3: um, our biggest supporting entity through the people, and we are just so grateful. For 23 years, families in this church have supported us, and it's why we're there. We have other churches around the U.S., but it's the people of Grace that have sacrificed for us, and we are so grateful. There are not, honestly, words to say. Um, We could not do what we do if you are not so gracious and sacrificial. So huge thank you from Peter and I to this church. Um, also, Greg Spittler, are you in here, Greg? Oh, hi. So, this is an announcement. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but I'm going to. So, Greg has graciously agreed to kind of be our US representative for City Ministries. So, um, if you're wondering more information and you're not sure, ask Greg. He'll know how to get it, because he talks to Peter at least once a week. <laughs> so, that's, that's new and that's part of Grace, because Greg's right here is part of Grace, so that. And I know it sounds crazy, but we do like to have visitors. Um, it, is Nigeria safe? Well, no, not on paper at all, Um, but we have children that need hugs, and I have women that need other women to just look at them and say, you know, you can do this. You can have a small business that works and things like that. So we'll be looking at hopefully maybe getting a team from Grace sometime within the next year or two. Fantastic. I
4: think I'd like to introduce you to um, Callier's Neighborhood, so you're going to drive down, you're going to go south on Midway, you're going to take a ride on Merrill, you're going to go maybe a mile and a half, and you'll be at Callier School. So it's a, you're going to see it's a lovely neighborhood. And then we're going to go visit Mercy Street. We're going to drive down Inwood, and you just stay on Inwood. You never get off Inwood. It just changes name to Hampton, but you're still on the same street. You're going to go under 35. You're going to go over a bridge. You're going to see Uplift School. And you're at Mercy Street, and you will be amazed, amazed at their sports arenas. You'll be amazed at their 93 million dollar new Pinkston High School, which is right next door to Mercy Street. So I would ask you to go check out these two neighborhoods. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised and maybe more encouraged to join either Kids Beach Club or Mercy Street. And our prayer that we're asking for tomorrow is Great Treasure Day. It's Kids Beach Club from three to four, 15 will be there. Each child will get their own Bible. So we would specifically love your prayers for us for tomorrow afternoon. Thank you.
5: Yeah, so uh, Miss Betsy has really had my back this morning yeah. pushing people to Mercy Street and she spent a, a great deal of time at Mercy Street uh, working with us. And so a reminder, she needs Spanish speakers tomorrow to come, right? Um, that would be a huge help. Um, but uh, for Mercy Street, the, the lifeblood of our ministry is carrying Christian adults from local churches. Uh, the coaches in our Christ-centered sports leagues are carrying Christian adults from local churches. Our mentors are carrying Christian adults from local churches. Um, if there's a gift or talent that you have, um, there's probably a way we could put it to use in the life of a kid at Mercy Street. Um, So if you're into sports, um, like I said, we have baseball and soccer leagues that are starting up right now. Uh, Soccer practice starts next week and we have our first games on March 26th. come chase a ball around uh, and share the gospel with kids during your practice during the week, and then let them play a game and share the gospel when it's over. Uh, Being involved in the life of a kid, uh, we can get you hooked up with that. If you um, are not into sports, but you have time on your hands and uh, you wanna be involved in the life of a kid, um, come be a mentor. We can can tell you how to do that. We can surround you with a group of people that will cheer you on um, and give you the tools you need to be involved in the life of that kid. Um, and maybe you don't have a lot of time. If you, if you can't commit to either of those things, um, we've been working hard to have a number of one-time opportunities that um, you can come and serve and contribute to the effort down at Mercy Streets. We have Bible studies on Monday and Thursday night for different age groups of kids, and um, one of the ways we attract those kids is um, by having food provided for them. We have a, a signup list where if you wanted to provide food for a Bible study, um, you sign, put your name on the list, come down, bring pizza, bring whatever it is that you're interested in, hang out for the evening. Um, and you may even get to talk to a kid about the Bible study for that night and connect with a kid and say, you know what, that's the kid I wanna mentor. Um, but uh, we, we want to provide a way for local churches to have a tangible way to fulfill the Great Commission, uh, to help get people out of the pews and involved in the life of people, to fulfill the Great Commission uh, in our committees for the good of the city uh, and, and for a mutual transforming relationship for you and that kid. Um, so I, I would encourage you to do that. I'll be out in the commons, have a sign up sheet, and if you're interested, we will contact you tomorrow to figure out a, a way to get you involved. Uh, you'll get a personal phone call from us.
6: The last 15 years we've been running leadership schools in this nation uh, in person. This year it's gonna be online. And we have about 80 students who are going through a postgraduate one-year course. Um, After the course is done, we need men and women, businessmen and women, that would be willing to mentor. In other words, spend one hour per week for four months reading through a leadership book and just dialoguing back and forth with a very educated, in English, uh, man or woman from this nation, and just asking questions about leadership and other things that come up in life. So um, I have these prayer cards out here. You can come talk to my wife or I, and we just happy to connect you. We just need, you know, about 50 just mentors. You can stay in your pajamas at home, but just have conversations over the phone or social media just about uh, the life with these guys. Um, so yeah, that's a way to connect with uh, what we're doing there.
1: Great. <clears throat> well, we're out of time. I want to say thank you to our panelists. Um, thank you to all of you. I hope I hope you all have been encouraged um, and uh, maybe challenged a little bit by this. And um, certainly talk to them and uh, get involved. Um, let me let me pray for us before we go. Lord, thank you for. Just the, the work that you're doing around the world through these missionaries and through others that Grace supports. And thank you for the privilege that we have to, to share in the work that you're doing and to in, experience the hope and the joy that they experience. And um, to just be, uh, to be encouraged that the hope of the gospel is the hope of the world. Um, and we know that you will continue to use us and to use them and to uh, uh, expand your word around the world. So I pray all that in Christ's name. Amen.